We're going to continue our study of Acts. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 4. We're at a great place. Uh, God's good at putting these kind of things together. We're at a great place for, uh, for what Lauren had to tell us. We are, we, we, we've been studying our way through, and, and in Acts chapter 4, we see Peter and John being questioned by the Sanhedrin. Now, remember, they, uh, they are dra- dragged to jail for the night and then questioned by the Sanhedrin for the, for the day because they healed a lame man. And it specifically says at the beginning of the chapter 4 that, that they didn't like that, that Peter and John were, were uh, proclaiming or preaching the resurrection of the dead because that's not something they believed in. The Sadducees didn't believe in an afterlife. So they were drugged before this council. And we saw how, how they were part of a miracle basically because they were obedient to God they were yielded to the Holy Spirit. They spoke in the name of Jesus. And then during the trial, we see that the, the Sanhedrin say, well, these guys have been with Jesus. And I, and I said last week, may it be said of us that we have been with Jesus enough that other people notice it. Amen? And so that's kind of where we left off. And... And I, I want to point out again the important part of this trial before the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin literally brought them there because they were preaching the resurrection of the dead. They brought them there for that point, a purpose, but yet they could not prove the resurrection didn't happen. They couldn't prove the lame man wasn't healed because he was standing there. They couldn't prove that the resurrection didn't happen because there were people there who saw the resurrected Jesus, who saw him crucified and then saw him resurrected. They couldn't prove that, that, that Jesus wasn't the Messiah because Peter told them how from Scripture he is the Messiah. They couldn't prove that the gospel message didn't need to be, be told to everyone. They couldn't prove anything against Peter and John. And so Peter and John go back and, and we'll pick up there in, uh, in verse 23. It is up here behind me. Acts chapter 4, starting in verse 23. After they were released, they went to their own people and reported everything the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they rose their, raised their voices together to God and said, Master, you are the one who made the heaven, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. You said through the Holy Spirit, by the mouth of our father David, your servant, why do the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot futile things? The kings of the earth shall take their stand and the rulers assemble together against the Lord and against his Messiah. For in fact, in this city, both Herod and Pontius Pilate and the Gentiles and the people of Israel assembled together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed to do whatever your hand and whatever your will had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, consider their threats and grant that your servants may speak your word with all boldness. So, these guys are tried for the day by the Sanhedrin. And what, what do they do? They go back to the church family. Did you see those words? I love it. I love the way it's put in verse 23. 
They went back to their own people. This is our own people, isn't it? Aren't we each other's own people? You're my people. And, and, and if there's anybody that we're going to celebrate with, it's you. And if there's anybody that we're going to share struggles with, it's you. We, we do this. That's what church is meant to be. Our people, the people that we share everything with. You know, it's easy in our culture to make church into, into a Sunday morning thing or a Wednesday night thing or, or just a place where we go and do Bible studies, but we don't ever really do anything else. And that's not what we see in this church, is it? In this church, they're their own people. They are together. They are living life together. They are, they are constantly in contact with each other. They are, it's not a Sunday morning thing or a Wednesday night thing or a Friday afternoon thing or a Monday night thing. It is an everyday thing. They are always together. And I think we can see kind of between the lines here, this church has probably been praying for Peter and John as they're in this trial because they certainly would have heard about it. Everybody knew. So they certainly would have heard that, that Peter and John were standing before the Sanhedrin on trial. Now, I want you to put yourself in their shoes because these, this, these are the same people. This is the high priest and the council that condemned Jesus to death. And now Peter and John are standing in front of these same people. So what do, what do Peter and John want to do when they get done with this trial? They want to go to church. They want to come back to their people and say, look what God has done. And so they come back to their church and, and they, they tell them, well, the only thing the Sanhedrin could say, they couldn't say the resurrection didn't happen. They couldn't say that Jesus isn't the Messiah. They couldn't say that the gospel message isn't truth. What they did say is stop with all this Jesus stuff and send us home. So they go back and they, they want to they celebrate this with their own people, with their church. And so the first thing they do is praise. And you notice it says they raised their voices together to God. Praise broke out. Now I want you to stop and think again about the situation because it has not been easy for this young church, has it? They have been persecuted already. They know that the Sanhedrin, that this, this council is out to get them. They know that Peter and, Jane, and John were brought before this council. But they also know this, this council couldn't prove a thing wrong. So their faith has been bolstered. Their faith has been solidified. What we believe is truth. And even this council couldn't prove it. it didn't. So they're, they're, they break out in praise. God has, uses this stress, this outside pressure, to form them together. He... he you know, uh, the old saying is diamonds are made out of coal from pressure and time. Pressure and time. And, and we still see God using outside pressure to drive us together. We still see him making diamonds out of us. We still see him making us like, like this church together. So we have our own people. So we have a life with others we still see God using 
things like COVID and, and our current political environment and our, and our current cultural environment. All of these things are pressing on us. And they either, they either solidify our faith or they make us fall to the side. Let it solidify your faith like it did them. So they raised their voices to God together. I got to tell you one thing that you don't get that we get as a worship team, and every one of them will, will tell you the same thing. We get to hear you guys sing. And there is nothing better. I don't care if you can't carry a tune in a large barrel, bushel basket. The fact that you're, we're singing together, raising our voices together to God, that's what we love. We get to hear that up here. Y'all should, we should switch places. Well, I guess we switch places. You'd still, yeah, that wouldn't work. Maybe we should mic up them. Have you ever been to, a, to a, a, one of those big Christian gatherings like Promise Keepers or Women of Faith or, or, or one of those kind of a Christian concert maybe where you are singing praises to God with thousands of others? It's incredible, isn't it? There is, there is something incredibly right and good about raising our voices together to God, isn't there? We get, to, we get that opportunity to praise and then they use scripture. Now, they're applying, they're taking Psalm 2 here, which is a messianic psalm that says that the world will fight against the Messiah, and fight against God and fight against the Messiah. And they're understanding scripture and they're understanding their situation in light of scripture. They're taking scripture and applying it to their life situation. That's what's intended for scripture. You have heard me say many times from this platform, this was not written to inform you. It was written to transform you. It was not written as information. It was written as transformation. We, this doesn't just tell us about God. When we open it, it's an encounter with God. They took, they took scripture and they applied it to their life situation. We need to learn that. We need to understand our life situation in light of Scripture. They, they take the promises of God and say, this is how it applies to my life right now. They took Psalm 2 and said, we knew God said that, that the, they would, the world would come against the Messiah, and now we've seen that happen. But he's the Messiah, so he, he cannot be stopped by the world. So they took Scripture and they applied it to their life. And then they, they view history as his story. They, they kind of unfold history here. They look back and see how God has worked in the past. In fact, it's not distant past to them. Remember, when they're talking about Herod and Pontius Pilate, and, and the, they are literally weeks away from having seen this happen. So this isn't distant past. This is recent past. And again, they're seeing it through the eyes of Scripture, and they're seeing history through the eyes of Scripture. They are seeing everything that God planned here as a preplanned, predestined, 
thing. It, it can be, this can be hard. As we look around at the difficulties in our day, we think, how could God possibly have a purpose for COVID or for this cultural environment or this political environment? How could God possibly have a purpose for this? And, and we can just look back at them. We can look back at them. Think about their whole situation, this church's whole situation. They have followed Jesus. They followed, for three years, they've been following Jesus. And then they watch him die. Now, that would seem pretty final, wouldn't it? It, it would to us still today. That, that seems like a, a kind of a final thing. They watch their Lord crucified. But then the, 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 the crushing disappointment of Friday becomes the incredible joy of, of an empty tomb Sunday because they see a resurrected Jesus and they see him walking around. They see him teaching. The, the early part of Acts in Acts chapter 1, it tells us 40 days Jesus walked around with them, came in and out of their lives. 40 days. So they have seen the resurrected Jesus. So they gather together, and their two leaders are, t are taken to jail. And they have a trial in front of the same people that crucified Jesus. The same people that condemned Jesus to death. Now Peter and John are in front of These are our church leaders. What's going to happen? But then the, the John and, and Peter, they come back. They come back praising God. They come back saying, look what just happened. Look at what God just did. He, he solidified the gospel. He solidified the gospel message. They couldn't say Jesus wasn't risen from the dead. They couldn't say that, that he, Jesus is, the, is not the Messiah. They couldn't say that this gospel message is wrong because it's truth. And it's been solidified now in their lives. They've literally witnessed this happen. So when we have a hard time looking around and seeing how God's at work, think about them. Do you think they saw God at work when Jesus was crucified? Do you think they saw God at work when Peter and John were taken before the Sanhedrin? And I'm pretty sure they thought, well, these guys are gone now too. They probably didn't see it in the moment. But now, they're praising God for what he's done. They're praising God for answered prayer. They're praising God because they have, uh, the, the message of the gospel has been solidified. They're praising God because their own faith has been increased. It's grown. Here, right here, are Peter and John telling them all that happened. They, they probably didn't believe they'd ever see Peter and John again. But here they are. And they're telling them. Now Peter is telling them from Scripture, from history, God is at work. This was all planned. And now the, the, the early church has a foundation. It's built on the cornerstone of Christ because the Sanhedrin, the ruling council, couldn't say anything about it. Couldn't stop them. And so what do they do? They ask for boldness. Now, again, think about this situation. 
they have seen Christ crucified. They have just seen their, their leaders taken before the Sanhedrin and threatened. And yet they ask in that situation, with all this scary stuff going on, they ask, God, make us bold. Make us bold for the gospel. Let us boldly speak the gospel. You know, in our announcement slides, there's one that says, who's your one? Now, who's your one is a, is a concept that it's asking God to give you one name of somebody that, that, that he wants you to share the gospel with, one name. And then it's asking God for the wisdom to know what to say and the discernment to know when to say it and the courage, the boldness to speak in the name of Jesus when the time comes. That's how we ask for boldness today. We still ask for boldness to speak in the name of Jesus because that's what they did. They trusted the plan of God. They looked back and saw scripture and and applied it to their lives. They looked back and saw history and saw God at work. And so they trusted the plan of God. And and they, they praised. They began with praise. Praised God for what he, who he is, what he's done, what he's about to do. They now trusted him more to do more. They used scripture and applied it to their lives. And they used history and saw it as part of his story, the redemption story of God and how they were a part of that. And they asked for boldness. They asked for the, for the courage to speak in the name of Jesus. Will you ask for boldness? Will you be obedient to God, yielded to the Spirit? Bend with Jesus so much that it shows on you and ask for boldness to speak in the name of Jesus? I'm going to ask that you bow your heads and consider that question. I'm going, to, I'm going to take us through the who's your one idea. I'm going to ask right now that you pray with me. God, give me one name, one person. Put that name on my heart. That The person you want me to share my faith with, to share the gospel with. Father, give me the wisdom to speak the right words. Give me the discernment to know when to speak, when the time is right. And when the time is right, Father, give me the boldness, the courage to open my mouth and speak in the name of Jesus. Will you commit to following God that way? Will you commit to boldness the boldness of the Holy Spirit, the boldness of the gospel. Father, we thank you for this, your word. We thank you, Father, that that we can see how history and how scripture applies to their situation. Help us, lead us, 
by your Holy Spirit to see how Scripture and history applies to our lives. Help us to to back up and see your plan in our life. And, And Father, give us boldness, courage to speak in your name. For it's in Jesus' name we ask. Amen.